Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Papyrus is, is kind of, it's the Egyptian paper that they would make scrolls out of uh, back in the first century and previous. And because Egypt is so dry, um, it's so arid, it's a great place for all these papyri to be preserved, obviously for thousands of years. And so right around, this, right around the time of the first century, they, d- they dug up some papyri on one of them it was uh, literally a, an invoice. And so it was an invoice for goods. And Greek was, the, was kind of the, the English of the first century. You go to France, you're going to be able to find people who can speak English. You go to, you go to Africa, you're going to be able to find people who speak English. And so Greek was like that. It was like that in Egypt also. And so it's a Greek invoice, and across the invoice, obviously it has all the little list of things uh, that were bought. Across the invoice, it says, tetelestai. And it literally means paid in full. And so when Jesus gets to the end of the sin bearing, after, after he finally asks for something for himself, he says, tetelestai, paid in full. And that again is something that you need to remember about the cross. It's not, it's not Jesus plus feeling really bad that takes away my sin. It's not the blood of Jesus plus I'll pay you my tithe next week that takes away my sin. It's not the blood of Jesus plus I'll, I'll make sure I pray three times a day for the next month that takes away your sin. It's not, it's not the blood of Jesus plus anything that takes away your sin. It's just the blood of Jesus that takes away your sin. To tell us die, paid in full. It's been paid in full. It's done with. And so, uh, again, that's something that needs to be um, um, just remembered. Don't get caught up in, in stuff like that. There was, you know, I, I've got stories that I've told. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk about stories about this. That's just what it is. That is it. Paid in full. And so don't try to add anything to the death of Jesus on the cross. It's like whatever you do is never going to be worth it. It's only what Jesus did. He says, therefore, uh, because it was, um, well, you know what? I, I keep forgetting my verses here. Oh, that's good. That's good. I, I don't need to do those. It says, therefore, because it was a preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. Here's something uh, about the, uh, that, you, that you need to know about the um, timing of this whole thing. When you're talking about the Sabbath, there are Sabbaths that are um, uh, basically ingrained in the, in the feast days. And so depending on what, what feast you're in and what day that you're talking about, you are talking about having a Sabbath. And so, for example, the first day of Passover is a Sabbath. 
right? When you're, you, you have the same thing when you're talking about uh, the Feast of Weeks, you have the same thing when you're talking about the, gosh, I'm blanking out on it. Um, last feast, what is it? Yeah, Tabernacles. Tabernacles has a Sabbath on the first day and it has a Sabbath on the last day. Thanks. In any case, you have this whole thing. But when you're talking about a high Sabbath, most likely what's being spoken about there is the fact that it's a Sabbath that is in the feast itself that is also the Sabbath day. That's why it makes it a high Sabbath. And so the next day is a high Sabbath. And so they don't want the bodies on the cross on, the, on that Sabbath. So the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So why break their legs? And the reason is because when you're on a cross, you're being suspended by your arms. And sometimes they would tie you to the cross or you are suspended by your wrists. There are times when they would take nails and drive them through your wrist. And that's how they nailed you to a cross. Sometimes they would nail you through your palm and then tie you to the cross. If you just nailed somebody, a man through the palm, uh, what would happen is his weight would literally tear through his hands. And so if you wanted to do it through the palm, then you had to tie him to the cross. If you wanted him to last longer, you tied him to the cross. If you, if you wanted him to stick to the cross and not be torn off, then you had to go through the wrist. And they always, they had uh, basically a platform where you could rest your feet on the cross and they would nail through both feet. They would put one foot on top of the other, one nail that went through both feet. And so when you were trying to breathe on the cross, uh, I've tried this before. You go out you know, to you know, some monkey bars or whatever, and you go up and you, and you grab them, and then you just hang from them, and then try to breathe. And it's really hard because what it does is it puts pressure on your chest, and so it's hard to breathe. And so to take a breath, for a man to take a breath on the cross, he literally had to stand up on his feet, get the pressure off his chest, and then he could breathe. Most people, when they died on a cross, they died of asphyxi uh, asphyxiation. They, they died because they couldn't breathe. They got too weak to hold themselves up anymore. And every time, and you can imagine, you got, you got nails through your hands, you got nails in your feet, you're trying to push down on your feet, and you're pushing up. Everything about the cross is designed to be excruciating. That's why they call it excruciating, it comes from the cross, from crucifixion. If you wanted a man to die on the cross quickly, what you did was you took away his support. You, you took away any ability for him to stand up. And so if you came along and broke his legs, most likely at the shins, if you came along and broke his legs, now he can't push up anymore. And so he's just gonna hang there from his arms and he's going to die of asphyxi uh, asphyxiation uh, he's going to smother to death, basically, from his own chest. And so that's what they're looking at doing because they don't want him, don't want these guys hanging on the cross during, the, during a Sabbath day. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. And so there's two guys there. They've both been crucified with Jesus. And I just want to put this in your head. Remember, the, remember the, the thief on the cross who gives his life to the Lord? So he's there and they're both mocking him. Gospels tell us that they were both mocking him at the beginning. But one of them comes to himself and he turns to the other who's mocking Jesus and saying, if you're the, if you're the Messiah, get us down and making fun of the Lord. And he turns to him and he goes, you know what? We deserve to be here. 
We, for, for what we've done, we deserve the cross. He's done nothing. And then he turns to Jesus and he says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. That's all he says to him. And Jesus turns to him and he says, truly, truly, it's, uh, it's uh, in, your, in your Bibles, it might say, might, might say, surely, surely, or verily, verily. In Greek, it's amen, amen, amen. Amen, amen. And it means so be it, so be it. It's the idea of this will be done. So, so be it, so be it. Today, you will be with me in paradise. And it's a cool story. You know, thief on the cross comes to a relationship with Jesus at the last moments of his life, but the guy still had to hang there on a cross. He's hanging there with Jesus. That's a good place to be. But he still has to hang on the cross. And then he watches his Lord, because now Jesus is his Lord. He watches his Lord die, and then he watches the soldiers come up to, to him with a club and then take it and pound it across his legs until they're broken. You ever had, how many of you have had a broken bone? Raise your hands. Hurts, doesn't it? Imagine somebody coming up and breaking a leg bone. And so they broke their bones, and then at that point, both the thieves on the cross died. One of them, we don't know if that guy ever repented. It doesn't look like it. And so he went to the pit and the other one went straight into glory. And here's part of what I'm, I'm saying to you. You know, when you get saved, it's not, it's not all, you know, roses and, and unicorns and, and that kind of stuff, even after you get saved. And obviously this is an ex extreme example. This guy still had stuff to go through and the ultimate pain is there at the end. Can you imagine, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you couldn't breathe and just an awful way to go. And Jesus knew that this is what was gonna to happen to this guy, but he said to him, there's something waiting for you. That's so what's waiting for you is paradise and me, because I'm gonna be there with you in paradise. And so he could look forward to that. There are gonna be times when, when you go through hard things, things that, that seem overwhelming and, and too tough to bear, and there's no way to get out, you might as, you, you might as well be tied to a cross. And Jesus knows that you're going through those things. And you can know that when you go home to be with him in heaven, he is not gonna be your debtor. He's not gonna owe you. Everything you get there is gonna be more wonderful than anything that you could imagine. You're gonna look back on this life. The Bible talks about the fact that you'll even forget it. You won't even remember these things uh, because heaven is gonna be so good. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm gonna see my... Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. I want to go there. That's a song that we used to sing when I was a kid. In any, in any case, when they come to Jesus, in verse uh, 33, it says, they saw that he was already dead. They did not break his legs. But again, one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he was seen as testified and his testimony is true and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For those things were done that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they pierced. Here, here's some of, some of the reasons for the issue of Jesus's legs not being broken. Why is that such a big deal? Um, first off, when you're, when you're looking at Jesus on the cross, this is something that, um, had to be done by the Romans. And we addressed that when we were 
first talking about Jesus going before, before Pilate. In the Old Testament, it does not say that when Messiah dies, he dies by Jewish execution. Jewish execution would have been stoning. What it says is that he dies by being pierced. He dies, and I'm gonna give you some verses here. He dies under the hands of the Gentiles. And so it talks about that specifically. A few verses here, one of them is in Deuteronomy 21, 21 through 23, it says this, then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones. This is talking about somebody who's committed a sin that's worthy of death. So you shall put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. And so the main reason that these guys don't want the two criminals and Jesus on the cross is because the next day is a high day, but they're trying to fulfill Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 20, or 21 through 23. And so just, again, amazing hypocrisy. We're worried about all these little details in the law, trying to make sure that we don't violate Old Testament law, and yet we put Jesus to death for no reason other than he's an inconvenience to my doctrinal position, or he's an inconvenience to my popularity, or he's an inconvenience to my influence among the people. He's an inconvenience to these people. They hate him. They put him to death, and then they're worried about fulfilling scripture. Here's another part of that that's fulfilled in the New Testament. Paul in Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And so the, the passage in Deuteronomy that talks about someone hanging on a tree being accursed is not just a passage about what you do with the death penalty in the Old Testament. It's literally, again, pointing forward to Christ. When we were in John chapter five, Jesus said to uh, the Jews, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. And it's just amazing how many verses testify of Jesus. And so the whole fact that Jesus was hung on a tree, talking obviously the cross was made out of wood, is something that was fulfilling Old Testament scripture. When you look at the Passover, this is done during Passover itself. And so the Last Supper was Passover. And so this is being done during the Passover meal. And there are all these rules in Exodus chapter 12 on what you do with the Passover lamb. And so one of the rules is that you have to slaughter it. In the first Passover, they slaughtered it and then they took the blood and they put it on the top of a doorpost and on either sides of the doorpost. And most likely what they did was they slaughtered the lamb, you know, in the front yard. This is what people did. This is what they, they still do this in Africa. And so they, they would slaughter the lamb right there. They would collect the blood. The blood would most likely be put in a bowl. And then you take something and put it in the blood. And what the Old Testament says is, is a stick with hyssop on it. And, or excuse me, a, a, a stick of hyssop with a sponge on it. And so they take it and stick it in the blood and they put it up on the top and they put it on the two sides. And what did I just make? A cross. So even the, even the, the movements that they're making 
is something that's pointing forward to the cross, literally. And it's that blood that kept the death angel from taking the firstborn of the people of Israel. Then you were to take the ram and you were to roast it. Fire is a symbol of judgment. And Jesus went through the judgment for us. The Bible says in the passage that when you eat from the lamb, you're to eat it all. You're not to leave any part of it. And it's the idea, Jesus is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you don't get to pick and choose with Jesus. You take him as he is. So when he's talking to the woman caught in adultery, you gotta take Jesus as he is. When he's ripping on the, on the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23, you have to take Jesus, he said radical things there. You have to take Jesus as he is. When, when he's blessing the apostles, you have to take Jesus as he is. When he is rebuking the apostles, you have to take Jesus as he is. It's the real Jesus that we're talking about, and so that's what that represents. And so there are a number of th other things that, that went on, but it specifically says uh, in Exodus 12, 46, in one house it shall be eaten, the Passover lamb, you shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. And that again is in fulfillment of something that was, was presaging the fact that Jesus, when he went to the cross, would not have his bones broken. This is repeated. Numbers 9, 12 says, they shall leave none of it until morning, again, the Passover, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. And so breaking bones back in those days was a big fat deal because they had marrow in the bones. And I know that that's weird to us because most of you go and get your chicken in little wrapped packages and it's thighs and drumsticks or it's breast meat or, or things like that. And you do that, we all do the same thing with um, all of the meat that we get and we don't get all the other stuff. Have you ever eaten a gizzard? Anybody ever eaten a gizzard? Raise your hand. Anybody never eaten a gizzard? See, see what, what's wrong with you people? These, these people ate everything. And so when you're, when you're talking about, I raise, I raise uh, cattle and I, uh, I have chickens and we raise pigs and, and stuff like that. And so when you're, when, you're, when you're talking about slaughtering an animal, most of the uh, uh, agrarian societies literally use everything in the animal, everything. And so all the organs they can use, you know where sausage comes from, like link sausage? They used to take up all the ground meat that was left over and they'd, they'd wash out the intestines and they'd shove that stuff inside the intestines and they'd, you know, they'd do the whole thing with twisting it and, that, and that's where you get sausage. That's where it came from. It's not a little plastic things. It was in the intestines of, of animals. And so they used everything and that's what they would do with the bones too. They would break the bones and they would scoop out the marrow and they'd eat the marrow. They didn't leave anything behind. And so the fact that they couldn't do that was something that was foreign to the way that they would normally eat. Psalm 34:20 says, he guards all his bones, not one of them is broken. So three different places. And those are just places that I picked out. Three different places that talks about the fact, you know, talks about the prophecy that his bones wouldn't be broken. Um, John, at the end of this whole a uh, series of events says, again, not one of his bones shall be broken. And that's where he's quoting from Psalm 34. Then he talks about the fact that, again, another scripture says, they shall look on him 
whom they pierced. Psalm 50, or excuse me, uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10 says, I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they have pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And this is talking about the reconciliation of the Jewish people to Jesus at the second coming. And what God says here is that they're gonna look on me whom they've pierced. When you go back to the passage, I think we did this earlier on in, in, in this study. When you go back to the passage, the one who's talking there is Jehovah, it's Yahweh in the Old Testament. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. And what Yahweh says is that they're gonna look on me whom they've pierced. And then I want you to notice that, they, that the verse changes the pronoun. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. When was Yahweh pierced? And again, it's one of those passages that speak into the fact that Jesus is not just a man and he's not just a Messiah figure. He's the one who came down from heaven. He's God in human form. Isaiah 53 verse five says, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And you could tell in that passage what the healing's about. It's a, the healing is about my rebellion. It's about my sin. It's about the fact that I'm a messed up unit. And that's what Jesus has healed you from. And that's what Jesus has healed me from. Psalm 22:16 says, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And so again, all verses that are pointing to this event uh, that uh, took place with Jesus on the cross. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's another verse that says, God demonstrates his own love toward, uh, towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you go through the rest of the New Testament, just about every time that you have God saying that he loves us, or the fact of God's love is being mentioned, guess what it always points to? Guess what it always points to? It's this event right here. I like that, I think, I think that's pretty cool. There's never been anybody who died for me. You know, some of you guys in the military, you, you might've had somebody who died for you, but I've never had anybody who died for me, and most of the people that I grew up with, wouldn't, they, they wouldn't even live for me, you know, <laughs> much less die for me. The first time that I heard the gospel was the first time the whole death of Jesus really impacted me. I, I remember sitting there as um, the pastor was talking about how much God loved me and the fact that Jesus would die for me, that it just really nailed me in the heart. And I, and I was like, seriously, God dies for me? That's what happened? And it was one of those things that brought me into a relationship with Jesus because I was at a point in my life where I recognized that I was pretty much just on my own. That's, that's, that's how it was. I was on my own and there was nobody. And then I find out that there's somebody who loves me. And from my point of view, it had been from afar, not from his point of view. He'd been with me the whole time. But from my point of view, it was from afar and he loved me enough to give his life for me.
You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.